You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, A. Scully and Sitor. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome to After The Show. Welcome, Sitor. Welcome. Welcome to the listeners. Welcome to everybody. I. Hi, you're very enthusiastic. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's that? We we always say I to each other. I, that and killing. Yeah. It's very obscure. <laughs> it's very obscure. You tell them. There's a show on British TV called Alan Partridge. You probably heard of it. If you're British, you've definitely heard of it. If you are not British, you've heard of the person who plays Alan Partridge, Steve Coogan. Probably not. He's not like super famous here. S- Steve Coogan? here is in america we're in america and so if you've seen the movie what movie is he in night at the museum was he in that i never saw it so i don't know so if i wasn't a steve coogan fan i wouldn't know who he is (laughs) anyway he had a show called alan partridge and is very like one of his first shows that is a quote from that show that nobody else in the world probably uses, just <laughs> <No>. me and you. Because <laughs> he's got his character. Okay, this is not the before the after the show discussion, but we'll tell you what it is. He's in this. He's got this character who's like his go-to guy, like a handyman, right? Yeah. Because he's living in a hotel because he's been chucked off his show. The guy's like hardcore. Like he's been in the military. He's been to war. And then Steve Coogan says something to him about something frivolous he did probably in the military. You know, I don't remember the line. Oh, and I'm sure you did cook lots of potatoes or something and he goes i that and killing <laughs> so for it's some funnier reason, if you see it <laughs> oh that wasn't funny i thought that was pretty good it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty good hi hi all right so it's saturday december the third this is after the show number 765 we're a movie review podcast this week we're looking at a new movie called Three Thousand years of longing it's a 2022 release It's on Blu-ray right now, rated R, from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of the movie, 3,000 Years of Longing. Hmm, why are you sounding like a weird weird DJ from the radio? Are you trying to be Alan Partridge? (laughs) I am Alan Partridge. Hi. 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 Uh, Synopsis, so we're going to do spoilers. So, you know, something gets spoiled. A woman conjures up a, a jinn, as we know from fairy tales, a genie in a bottle and explores his past and her longings. All right. That's pretty good. I'll get, you should write for the box. That's pretty good. Here's the one off the box. A lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovers a jinn who offers us three wishes in exchange for his freedom. Yeah. Is, is yours better? Mine's or better. Mine's better. Right. Because I'm not throwing the lonely shit in there. I've got complaints about this movie. Well, let's, we'll get to them. Yes. The synopsis <laughs> is not the place to air these grievances. <laughs> and there's no rules about this. <laughs> I can say what I want when I want. All right. Period. So, 3,000 Years of Longing, the new film by George Miller. What did you think, Sid Talk? I enjoyed it very much. And it has... I'm conflicted. It has things about it that annoy me but i love it overall so Actually, i don't know how to describe that while i was watching it i knew that you would have 
you wouldn't like certain uh, choices a character made or certain things a character was thinking, let's say. Yeah, or how it was written that she made. Okay, we'll get to it. This lady at the beginning is portrayed very clearly that she's strong, not afraid to be alone, and... Intelligent. Very intelligent. Yeah. yeah. And then what does she become? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, all of a sudden... Okay, so here's the story. She also, what happened to the two things that she saw in the beginning? That it was never a thing again. It was weird. Okay. So this woman is going to a conference of other storytellers and her thing is for her career, you know, she's an intellectual about the stories of myths and religions and gods and how the stories can fade, but humans keep making them up because we need them. But the individual ones fade away. So she's, you know, high intellectual into that kind of thing. Yes. So she goes to this conference and she hallucinates uh, question mark a couple of sort of ghostly looking figures then she's then she goes and this guy buys her a little bottle she goes to her hotel room she's scrubbing it with her electric toothbrush which is hilarious knocks off the top and whoosh, idris elba comes out <laughs> not just like squeeze it out but i mean he's a gin was that a wish that she wanted idris elba in a hotel room <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> That would have been funny on the set if at one point she just said, I wish, I wish you were just Idris <laughs> Naked Elba. Idris Elba, please. Yes. So then he appears and he starts to tell her, you know, his story of his history, how he got put in different bottles and how we'll get to my complaints about his individual stories in a minute. But all the while, she's very cynical and she's skeptical and she's like, you're tricking me. Because she's intelligent. She's intelligent. She's like, I'm fine with my life. I am content with my life. And I have made all the choices I've made because whatever, whatever. And then slowly we undo her. And then suddenly it's like she goes from being, I'm fine. And I, I'm catching all of these things that you expect a woman on her own to be is like lonely and sad. And I long to be a mother and I need to be loved and I'm calling bullshit. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like a scene She's got the opposite cut out. of that, yeah. Yeah, it's literally, I, I felt like saying, did we skip a whole chapter? Because all of a sudden she looks at him and says, I wish for you to love me. Like, you loved whoever, does one of his stories. And I, I mean, was like, what? She Is literally she had a moment when you see the lump in her throat. Yeah. That was the love drug taking over or something. Something. Yeah. And then I'm like, what? That doesn't even like... No. Then I, for a minute, I thought, oh, okay, okay, hold on. She keeps mentioning how he's a trickster and he's trying to trick her into get, making wishes that, and she knows the, the history of stories. They involve about making, three wishes. that are Yes, then they always turn out bad, that you're kind of a sucker, basically, for falling for this idea of making three wishes because it'll always go bad. It is an impossible scenario. And I thought, oh, okay, she's tricking him, Right. She's told him to do something that she's even said, I don't even know if this is possible for you to do. So I thought maybe she's trying to like catch him out or break the system or something. And then I waited a, a scene or two and I'm just like, what? She disappeared. This woman who has lived her life independently and you're supposed to think, you know, right. So the reality is some people do like being alone. We're not all attached to the idea of love and you know, no offense. I do love you. You're my husband. However, <laughs> I think I could be I alone. Take I can be alone in this life too. <laughs> not alone as in 
alone without all the people in my life, but alone as in living my own life untethered to an intimate relationship. I would be fine with that. And that's a reality. But this story then brings us back that every fucking person has to have somebody and they're all flawed, which is fine. But that in the end, she too is subject to this, this desperation to not be lonely. And I was like, ugh, gross. <laughs> so how the movie unfolds is it's like a, um, all unfolds in a hotel room pretty much, but it's just to say him telling her something or her telling him something, right? Yeah, the, the flashbacks of his stories through history of how he kept getting put back in bottles. Yeah. And or, those, or awakened from the bottles. Those flashbacks are lavishly filmed. Yes, they're gorgeous and I love them. That's my favorite thing about the movie, except for some of the female things, but we'll we're going back in history. There's magic. There's wonder. There's sexuality. It doesn't hold any pull any punches. Mm-mm. Lots of nudity. Lots of killing. Aye, aye. There's that in killing. So and it looks it's so lavish and gorgeous looking. He, he brought the same. George Miller brought his cinematographer from Fury Road in to do this one, and it has that grand scope and it's lots of cool like shots that you don't expect, like where things swirl around in smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool looking. The story structure is that. It's like a storybook. Well, she even says at the beginning, I'm going to tell it you like a like a nursery rhyme or a Fairy tale. tale, fairy tale. Fairy tale, because you'll understand it better that way. See, and there are things like that at the beginning that feel like they get dropped as the movie goes on. Like yes. she starts telling it in a certain way and then that goes away. Yeah. Then it comes back at the end for a little part. It is, I would say, it's a beautiful film to look at. It's actually an interesting story because do we see two of Jin's stories? Is it just two or is it three? Three. Two of them, at least, to me, were very interesting. The one with the Persia. You know what I'll I'm saying. You know, the guy it. who's locked in the room with the ladies. Yes. Very interesting stories. Mm-hmm being told there. I assume that those are actual stories, like tales from different cultures that I'm just unaware of, which is what one one thing that I really loved. Tales from myth, like um, yes. fairy tales, kind of. Not really. Yeah, I mean, thing. we have Queen of Sheba in there. We so do. that's, a you know, and then Mustaf, which I think is a real character in stories or in reality. I'm not sure. All of those stories have some kind of magical element to them because we're dealing with a genie and gods. You know, so they are fantastical. It's not just straight Correct. up. Correct. Yeah, they never hide away from the edge of fantasy here. I even like when Idris Elba does turn up in a bedroom and he's a massive genie that yes. only just fits in the room. I love that. Yeah, I mean, and it looks kind of wonky, but it, it's, it works for me. It worked. I was like, yeah, that looks wonky. But... That's, it's kind of funny to see like that he's the full he's full size. Yeah, and then later, like as a genie in a hotel room, his attire is like a uh, you know a towel robe that's from the hotel. Like so, he's in that most of the way through. So they use comedy elements, but yeah, I think like you, I was happier with the first two thirds, and then I thought it fell apart at the end. I just, think that's fair, just because it felt like she had had a brain transplant more than. Yeah, and over the course of it, now I'll give you my complaint about the female characters in this movie, in this story. I cannot find one single credible, contributory female character that doesn't rely on a man's love or 
contributions or like charity or enslavement essentially. And yet, and still they're, they're nothing. Right. Right. So the first woman he fell in love with is like this gorgeous, powerful queen, Queen Sheba. And essentially she's undone by one dude who sings her a song and then tells her what women want to hear. That's literally what he says. He, he knows how to tell her what all women desire. And then she tells her she swallows hard and then ba-boom, she's, and he's in bed with her and he marries her, right? Yeah. So then another one is a very genius young woman who has, she was married off to some old fucker when she was 12, but she has the mind of Leonardo da Vinci. So she's inventing things. She's creative. She wants to know about the origins of the universe and, and math. And this is still like in the 1600s, 1500s, I think we're at that point, right? Yeah. So she's holed up in this like tower room or something. And he gives her all the power of knowledge of everything that she could possibly want to think about. And yet in the story, she never leaves that fucking room. Like she is still trapped by this marriage to the old man. She's beholden to the genie essentially. And then like, kind of like, you're the thing that's holding me back or you're not giving me what I want. And then again, she does nothing with who she is and how she is, even though they try to, to develop these women as like something they're not, they turn out to be nothing, which is very disappointing. Yeah. And this is based on a novel I, I saw at the end. Not, it's not George Miller's story. Mm. So maybe that's how it goes in there, but yeah, I don't know. Was this novel written? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I don't get what they're. And it was made in 2022. And so the idea of, I'm not saying like men are the saviors or whatever. So I'm not like a man hater. Again, I love you. I love men. I love people, right? But it is this constant devaluing and lowering down of women just to satiate men. That's all That's all they are. It's very, it's kind of weird. Your brain's like, what? This is such a gorgeous movie. It's got such an interesting premise. And she starts out asking all the questions I would ask, right? Like, um, yeah, I'm not just going to ask for my three wishes because I'm going to get caught in a trap. I'm going to get undone something bad's gonna happen because i haven't thought it through right so i'm gonna be intelligent so i'm like oh yeah she's cool and then and even you noticed so that was interesting she did say in the narration towards the end when she's talking that perhaps something bad has happened already in this story mm -hmm. and then it proceeded to yes then i knew what she was talking about yeah to tell you the the end part so I think she was talking about the fact that she had asked him to love her and or that wish, was the wrong choice. Yeah, because wishing someone to love you when they have no choice now, he has no choice. It's like a force of the nature of the universe that he lives in. It is forcing that wish to come true, which means if he didn't love her a half a second before, then her wish is the only thing making him love her. And which it's is, making it's a, a horribly selfish thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very perceptive. I mm -hmm. love it. There's a lot of things going on in this movie, but ultimately I didn't like where it went. I didn't like the, you know, the at the end with the old ladies in the place next to her. Yeah, that was a bit weird. It didn't even make a lot of sense, did it? <laughs> it didn't. I was like, what? It was like they wanted to throw in like just something about racism. So they just yes. thought of that. It was very weird. Yeah. And then she when she went to visit them and gave them some like, what was it? The food? Is a particular the food that he basically sort of genies up. 
Yeah, it's, but then what it's like was a that? cultural food. But like, what was their look on their faces? Was their look like okay, we're not racist anymore? I don't. I didn't get that. <laughs> I know that was very bizarre. I kind of had to <laughs> skip over that whole thing. I'm still thinking about the like, are there any redeemable females or males in this movie? There was not. Uh, was there? Not. Mm, I don't think so. No. But it's weird because I really liked it. I did too. I just I can't, I can't dislike it just because I have that weird. I like, definitely didn't like the ending because I, I felt that the I could feel it in me that this is so like lush and gorgeous and like really interesting stories. I'm like, is this gonna boil down that she falls in love with him? Like because that sucks. So don't do that. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened, right? Yeah. It's, it's when he was like turning to dust in the. Base. I didn't even understand what was happening. I'll be honest. And then I was like, okay. And then until she said, he says to her, I'm made out of electromagnetic or electrons, like electrons, protons, and whatnot, like tiny fire, basically. You're dust, I'm fire. We're made of dust because we're made of particles of iron and calcium and all that kind of shit, right? But he's made of different kind of elements. Right. So it's very sciencey. I liked it. That's cool. And then when he comes to the 21st century, because video, everything's going through the air, right? It's all electromagnetic. It's all, torturous. Yes, it's torturing him. But that's all they did. There was one scene where she could touch him and she could hear how noisy it was in his head. And he little particles come off of him a little bit, you know, when he's in distress. You could see that. Then all of a sudden, and nothing else was mentioned of this at all. Like nothing. And then one day she comes home, he's in the basement. He's made, he looks like he's a pile of ash. And then she says, the electromagnetic charge or whatever in the air will never go away anymore in this world. And then that was it. It was a very bizarre situation. I was not clear on what it was at all. It was also a bizarre, the, I would say, the, let's say the last 15 minutes felt really rushed and disjointed. Yeah, like it didn't even go to this movie. I was like, are we starting a new chapter here? They even did like cuts between scenes that just went faded to black yeah. like the movie was over almost and then faded back in with something and then did it again and then did it again i was like is this like they just couldn't figure out how to end it so they kept it's very unusual and then i thought okay when he when he gets up from being the pile of dust and starts to run up the stairs it made him look sort of like smaller I'm like, oh, the vision that she had from the beginning was like a smaller looking Jean, you know, Jen, Jeannie, like, you know, about four feet tall. Yep. And I thought, oh, so, oh, okay, we've got some trickery going on here, right? There's a twist here. This is, it's somebody's posing as him or we've got a whole new layer. But no, it wasn't that. I was making that up. No. <laughs> so let's get on to the cast. Tilda Swinton plays Althea. She is, I love Tilda Swinton. I love her in this. I love you that. Do. I love that Northern accent that she's doing. It's perfect. Was it good? Okay. Yeah. And she's not a Northern. A Northern that's class. not her accent. <laughs> but yeah, it was perfect. She sounded like she was from Coronation Street. Let's okay. Say. I didn't know. So I have to leave that to you, the experts. No, it was good. What did you think of her in general? I really liked her. And I felt like she didn't have control over the loss of the sort of credibility her character had in the beginning. Right. It was like a switch got flicked in her character and in the way she was doing her, where she becomes this sort of desperate sounding. Uh, the thing that she didn't want to be at the beginning. She kept right. Like, I don't want to be that. I think it's very flawed in terms of like, just we have to accept that all women want to be mothers and all women want to have a man or a relationship of some sort. They I mean, 
They the also one. explain that she's kind of hurt because she had a husband who cheated on her. Had cheated on her, and that looks like maybe they had a baby who didn't live. Right, she and had so a- she's terribly hurt, and it even showed her putting all a husband's stuff in a box, like compartmentalizing it away, like Correct. putting it away. So, you know, she's hurt, and maybe the I want to be alone and all that is a reaction to that. Right, but then that means it's not real, that a right. person who actually, genuinely says, I really feel like in this life, I would like to be independent of relationships, you know, intimate relationships that we're still pretending that doesn't exist. Like that's abnormal or that there's something wrong with you. If you step back and you go, you know what? (laughs) I like just doing my thing and the world can go on. It doesn't need me to be coupled up or making humans or all of the other sort of romantic fictional shit that we've piled on. Right? Like, There's got to be bugs and lions and bears out in nature who don't reproduce. This is how I always boil it down. Like our idea that we, every woman wants to be a mother. It's because people will say, well, that's nature. Well, I haven't done a survey of every single creature that lives on the planet, but I'm guessing that every single female of every single creature that does make babies doesn't make babies. And we're, we're part of the creature world. So. There's my little, that's what got irritated. I got so irritated. I'm like, oh my God. So uh, I have to also, just let it go. This is mainly a two-hander, this movie. It's got two people in it, but then it's got a lot of surrounding actors who you might not recognize, which I actually really liked because there's a ton of people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Idris Elba is the genie, the jinn. What did you think of him? I liked him. I did I mean, too. I, I think he did. He was way better in this than he was in Beast oh. the other week. Beast was unfortunate because it also had great potential. Right. I mean, he had to do an accent, which I kept listening to and thinking, is this insulting, this accent? I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure either. I'm not of the peoples that he was, uh, you know, doing the accent from, so. I mean, he did speak in another tongue for a tiny bit at the beginning, but then quickly moved to to English, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I think he did a good job of portraying the genie and like it, his struggles and like how tormented he was. And yeah, I did think he was trying to trick her at some point. But I was I hoping was, after after she had that weird turnaround, like, OK, let's hope they're both trying to play each other and something interesting. Right. Will come of it. <laughs> uh, directed by George Miller. He directed Mad Max, Babe Pig in the City, The Witches of Eastwick. Fury Road, and he's doing another couple of Mad Max movies coming up. What do you think of George's direction here? It was fine. It was very elaborate at times. I still feel like when you're the director, you should have a little bit, well, total control over the ultimate storytelling. And so I'm not sure what happened there, George. I mean, he's he's <laughs> taking from a source material, I Doesn't guess. Doesn't matter. If you're sitting there as the guy who's done a lot of interesting movies and stories over time. And you read it, and then you examine it. Maybe he loves it. Maybe. You know? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe he's kind of old Unaware? Yeah. Not a good reason, but okay. We'll have to go with it. IMDB reviews. What are those? Those are reviews that sound like people sound like me (laughs) are going to say. Now, the ones who say that movies are too woke these days, I don't know that this one's going to have that. Because it's not very. Um, they are reviews on IMDb that you like to read out the one star reviews because they're hilarious. Number one says, 
This movie is horrible as horrible can be. Do not waste your money. I wish I could get my money and time back and avoid even seeing it. It's truly ridiculous and boring. I kept yawning. Sometimes I fell asleep, but I checked my phone repeatedly to wake myself up. Then I wrote this review during the movie. I wanted to get up and leave, but I probably should have. It's a really bad movie. There's no plot. Maybe I did fall asleep. But there is a lot of eye candy. The Jin with his shirt off is amazing. My suggestion is to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot to say because you're sitting there during the movie that you don't like uh, yeah. writing a review. It's just kind of tacky, but uh, whatever. I was very disappointed by this movie. It does not live up to the rating. My husband was half bored out of his mind and groaning throughout the whole movie, <laughs> complaining about why we were watching something so dull. The actors and actresses did a good job, but the story just isn't there. The special effects are okay, but it seems like a theatre play instead of a movie. It was a waste of my time. Well, I will say that is an interesting observation because it does seem quite... Theatrical. Um, literary? Yes. Theatrical? Yes, I agree. I, I mean, agree it could that. you could tell this story on a stage without all the special effects and the just describing them, talking to, to each fair, other. To be fair, you could probably tell any story. Yeah, but this one would go well because it's just two people talking to each other pretty much the entire That's movie. That's true. Uh, and then finally, this guy says... This movie's story is offensive to every religion. Oh dear. The story is a literal opposite to the original stories. Queen Sheba is the one who went to King Solomon carrying gifts. And while she was in her way, King Solomon ordered Jin to bring her throne before she even blinked. That doesn't make any sense. Also, hey. so you're saying this is a true factual story? Yes. <laughs> Which is what I love about stories. She didn't even have the ability to control Jin. Didn't even have a gin control ring. This sucks. Oh, that. All that stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know anything about. Uh, yes. The real story of Queen of Sheba. Correct. Well, <laughs> maybe this guy's wrong as well. Oh, know, maybe. Who knows? So, uh, IMDb reviews, that's those. Extras. There was zero extras again on a Blu-ray disc. I feel like the days of extras are numbered, Sid Talk. Or gone. Yeah. Uh, so let's give this movie a score. Aye. 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 <laughs> 3,000 years of longing, I am going to give it a 6 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 7 because I loved the experience of it. It's just unfortunate that my brain kicked in and the story of it let it down. I'll give it a 7 because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. And it's stories that I don't think of, and it's places and history that I don't consider much about, so. All right, so thank you to Warner Brothers. Next week, we'll be looking at a horror movie called Smile. Mm -hmm. So smile, Sid, so you'll have to smile next week. Mm. Nobody better see you anyway, because you're on a podcast. <laughs> so movie recommendations. I am going with Mad Max Fury Road, which was my favorite movie the year it came out. It won an Oscar. Fantastic movie. Sitart wasn't as enthusiastic as me. No, I mean, it's fine. I, I didn't understand your love affair with it, but hey. And thinking of Tilda Swinton, who I also adore in a way, Suspiria. Oh, yeah, Suspiria. <laughs> which is an, an amazing movie of weirdness. Yeah, it's very weird. You've it's got an a amazing story of weirdness, yes. Yes. But it's interesting. And quite gruesome, also. Yeah, yeah. 
That takes a weird, like, when you think, I don't know what the hell is going on, then something else happens for you to go, I don't know what the hell is going on. It's a very good movie. Suspiria. And yours are? Just two little reviews or two little recommendations. Oh, my goodness. Well, I like to go for five. And I'm in 1997-ish. Going back to the 1990s, all the movies that I can recall that I saw, some that I don't recall, but I know that I saw. In this list, LA Confidential. The Lost World, Jurassic Park. We all forget the Lost World part, but Jurassic Park. Yeah. Con Air. I like that on your sheet it says Con Air Face. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Con Air Face and then off. But it's Con Air. (laughs) I love Con Air. And Face Off. So stupid, but good. And Face Off? Face Off, also stupid, but good. (laughs) Good. And Mimic, which I think is overlooked. Horror, sci-fi, alien type of movie. I like Mimic, actually. Mm-hmm. Good one. Good one. Good one. Aye. Aye. Ace Scully stuff. Um, I dug out my PlayStation Vita this week. Now, PlayStation Vita came out in 2013. I had to look that up. I bought it in 2013. For a couple of years, I played it all the time, right? It was pre-cell phone, wasn't it? Uh, pre-cell phone, yeah. Like, we didn't have smartphones in 2013. So. Yeah. So having the Vita was cool to be able to play games, handheld games. For about two years, it was successful, and then Sony just dropped it completely. And then it just kind of, there was no new games, so it ended up in my, what would you call it, where I put it? In my... Uh, uh, as a box? Box of <laughs> disused things. I put it in there. So this week, I uh, decided to pull it out, charge it up. I thought, it's got an internal battery, you can't replace the battery. I thought, this probably won't even work. But it charged up fully. And I've been playing some Vita games. I've been playing uh, Tempest, TXK, Need for Speed Most Wanted. I tried a Katamari game. I've got so many games on it. Um, I just wanted to say that the PlayStation Vita, the games, they don't even seem dated. They seem as good as like modern cell phone games. They do look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was really ahead of its time at the time. But for some reason, it's it's stayed relevant, and the games are good. What's really cool is it still connects to the PlayStation Network, so you can still get games on there. You can get trophies, which I like getting trophies on games. There are plenty of games I haven't got trophies on, so the PlayStation Vita. You might have one. It might be sat like in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> Drag it out and have a game on it. It's cool. So what is this, talk, a commercial? It isn't really, because you can't probably can't buy one at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to go on eBay and buy a second-hand one. And all the games you have are just the games you have. That's yeah, kind that's of it. it. There's, there's never a new game ever coming for it. So Unless the homebrew people make games for it. So, Sito, what's for dinner? Spaghetti. Yum. I was in the mood for spaghetti noodles, and you always love to make fun of me for saying, like, well, of course they're noodles. But no, nah, it's what we called it when I was a child. Kind of like the way you British people say beetroot. Beetroot is correct. That's what it's called. It's weird because you don't say carrot root and turnip root and radish root. You just say beetroot, but it's just a beet. So I can say spaghetti noodle. And I'll say beetroot. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're having with some peas and some Aldi garlic bread. We'll see how that goes. Aldi garlic bread's good. We've had it before. 
We have not had that one. I have never purchased it. So oh. unless someone got it to you otherwise. Well, we it's probably very similar to the HelloFresh garlic bread that oh, we Agree. Oh, great. It's just bread that already is pre-buttered and garliced, as yeah. we like. And the oven should be coming on. I set the timer for the oven, which is interesting. because it's We've had the oven for this oven for a long, the longest time. <laughs> like five years. And yeah. And like four years into owning the oven, we realized <laughs> you can set the timer to make it come on when you want it to. It's not a smart stove. We weren't that far behind. No. You can't do it on your phone or anything, but I can tell it, turn on at 610 and then it does. It's amazing technology. A timer. Listen to us. We're amazed at an oven that comes on. Yes. <laughs> so my advice is not advice. It is just me tell, making a statement to the world. Take it as you will. That I understand and completely accept that the contribution contributions that I make in this world or might make as subject to interpretation are going to be utterly, magnificently undetectable in the whole of the world of history and the universe. I, I accept this, right? I'm not a valued universal creature who's going to be like, da-da, look, everybody and everything, I've solved a problem for you all. That's not how it works, right? But all that, people think, oh, so you just think everything's meaningless and nothing matters and you don't matter. Not correct. That is the incorrect interpretation. At this moment in time, for the however many, I mean, I've been alive now 55 years, 55, and, you know, who never knows, I could be alive for another five minutes, five years, 10 years, not going to be pushing it more than 30 or... Hopefully or, more than five minutes because I want my dinner. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Thank well, you. that's very selfless of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I do understand that in the time that I'm here, from the moment that my mother gave birth to me and whatever feeling she has for me and my siblings and the people I've known and you and you listening, anybody listening, that there is, you know, I trust like the nature of things, that there is value somewhere, somehow in like me being the combination of particles that I am and then the way my brain works and my combination of experiences processing it and how I put things back out into the world, that it has value to somebody somewhere that then isn't like another useful particle to put into their mind and their, because that's how I get things, right? Is from you and the people I love and people I don't know and people on the internet and experiences I've had. But it, it matters right now and for some foreseeable future, right? I don't foresee the universe ending in five minutes because it knows you need your supper. So we don't Correct. <laughs> I mean, if the universe ended, I guess supper is not really the big of a deal, but so that's it. I mean, I know that I am not here to make some big contribution to all things. I don't have children, which a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm children, so you can't carry on your DNA. Not true. My DNA is in my siblings, and they all have children. So there you go. We, we're not going to die off anytime soon. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> I have no desire to be, um, to have the thing of being a parent. None of that. I haven't saved anyone that I know of except I've donated blood. So if my blood has inadvertently or directly saved someone's life, cool. Other than that, that's it. Out when I'm done, it's be like, bloop. you know, if someone zoomed out and looked at everything of human history, I, I wouldn't. It's like looking at the earth from the moon, right? If that earth were to disappear, everything that's ever been known to all of humans and everything would be just that's it. It's all contained there. And I 
do not stand out. I am totally cool with that. But if you zoom in and you just keep cranking and cranking and cranking that zoom, you know how you do to get as close and zoom right into this room right now of me saying stuff and you loving me the way you have over the years. I'm taking that for granted that that's the truth. (laughs) And whoever else knows me listening who might care or take something from me, that's the little bit that matters. And so that is all. Thank you. That's great advice. (laughs) That's not advice. That's a great story you're telling. Uh, All right, ascully.com. That's where you can go to get this podcast. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram our social media places that we're available on. Ace Gully, I am, and Sid Talk, that's you. That's me. Sid Talk, like C-I-D-T-A-L-K. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Well well spelt out. (laughs) You can also go to anchor.fm slash after the show, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere where podcasts are available. You can also email feedback to me, acegully at acegully.com. Do not email Sid Talk. And don't try and figure out our email address because <laughs> you'll never do that. You have to be a master hacker to do that. I assume the people who listen to us are intelligent. It's not going to take much for them. Yeah, I mean, you do need to have very good hacker status to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And stay classy, Mr. George Miller. I'm looking forward to Furiosa. You are. And uh, I'm going to say think for yourself because if you're not doing it, someone's doing it for you. <laughs>